Oh, here, you go. here you go already. He started early with the Texans. He started early. He started early. Uh, my boy, 9 a.m. with the helmet on. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? Welcome, welcome, Cecil Shorts III, to the podcast once again. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Obviously, the big game this weekend, Texans-Browns. You already know who we rooting for on this side. I would say it's probably a little piece. It's probably a little piece of you that's still rooting for the the, the brown and orange, though. Oh, for sure, for sure. But um, obviously, you know, having you back on and then just having you on earlier, you talked about just the 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 atmosphere within the building and C.J. Stroud and just his maturity early and obviously throughout the rest of the season after that injury, he came back on he came back on fire and so. Definitely wanted to bring you back on to obviously talk about the game, give some insight because you've been down there. You've seen you've seen the atmosphere. You you've lived it, and so just want to touch in and and and, and see what's up down there in Houston and what's going what's the atmosphere going to be like uh, this Saturday. Man, listen, man. Uh, first of all, being from Cleveland, I'm always going to root for the Browns. That's just what it is. I can't help it. It's in our blood, right? It's Browns, Cavaliers. Indians, uh, or I guess guardians now, whatever it is. Right. Um, but I do got respect where I work at now too. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> um, but it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, man. Cause when you have a guy like CJ, who is just unshakable, like it's, it's, he's a rookie. He's not supposed to be doing the things that he's doing. As a rookie quarterback, you're not you're not supposed to even as good as Peyton Manning was, he threw record breaking interceptions. Even as good as Andrew Luck was his rookie year, they threw a tons of interceptions. He's not turning the ball over. His ratio is like twenty three to five when it comes to um, touchdown interceptions. He threw for forty one hundred yards this year and missed two games. Now it's like it's it's amazing what he's able to do with and no offense, Nico Collins, twelve hundred yards this year, big year. It's funny, it's funny too. He's from Michigan, CJ Ohio State. They throwing to each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel bad for CJ because Nico probably hollering in his ear. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's been a tough tough couple weeks for him for sure. Oh, for sure, for sure. But Nico had a heck of a year. But I mean, CJ's throwing to the open receiver. So whether it's your fourth receiver or fifth receiver, like Noah Brown. Um, whether it's your backup running back, whether it's your, um, you know, a savvy veteran, he's making everybody around him better. doesn't matter who he's throwing the ball to. So when Tank Dale went out, who's on the heck of a rookie season, he was feeding them. Noah Brown had 250-plus yard games back to back. You see what I'm saying? Like, he's feeding the tight end, Dalton Schultz. It's just how he's able to corral the group. And you guys know, y'all play ball. When you believe in your quarterback, when there's hope, when that guy gives you hope, like, hey, I don't care what the score is, what's going on. We gonna, we got a chance to win because number seven's back there. And you got Laramie Tunsil and all these veterans buying into him. Man, it's it's crazy the impact he's had. Like, it's it's not normal. It's not normal. And um, the Texans have found a gym. They have found a gym. I don't think nobody thought that he would be able to do what he's doing this year, how he's doing it. Um, so that the, the, the city's on fire right now because nobody thought – you would be hosting a playoff game, mm-hmm. right? Because going into the last game, it was win and you're in. It's either Colts in or Houston's in. So the city of Houston, like, man, let's just win, get in this thing. We had a schedule. 
we were supposed to be good this year, you know, boom, boom, boom. So they won Saturday night in a tough game. And then we're everybody just thinking, okay, cool. Tennessee, we watched Houston beat Tennessee. Tennessee seemed like that's going to just lay down. They, they they worry about vacations. Hey, when when are when am I going home? I'm about to go to Hawaii, you know, <laughs> just like, hey, we out of here. And they go into Jacksonville. Oh, sorry, Jacksonville go to Tennessee, and Tennessee put a whooping on them. They go up 21-10. The city literally is on fire. Phone, my phone blowing up like crazy. Twitter going crazy, like, yo, they're about to host a game. Um, now the thing is, the Browns are a darn good team. Like the Browns, if the Ravens wasn't so good, they would probably win the division. Right. But the Ravens is on whatever. And the, and the Cleveland beat the Ravens once this year. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting, man. But the city's on fire in Houston. They are so excited for the opportunity and they truly feel like they got a chance. They truly feel like they got a chance. You touched on it a little bit, that Colts game. And I and so I think the entire country knew that C.J. Shroud was good. Like, but the, th- the issue you guys had, it weren't a lot of primetime games this year. So, like, anything that you heard about Shroud was either through Twitter, you saw an ESPN headline or whatever. But that final regular season game was the first time that probably the casual fan really got to see how good he was. And I don't have to list off all the great plays he made in that game because he made some throws where I'm sure everyone down there was just like, come again? Like, what was you doing out there? So just what did that game do for not just – the team, but like the national stage, because I know up here in Buffalo, that game is, I myself has been followed. I've been following the Texans all year, but on a national stage, that game really put him and the rest of that team on the map. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. The Texans weren't supposed to be good this year. So they had no Thursday night games, no Sunday night games, no Monday night games. Nothing was prime time. Every single game was at noon. When they started to uh, start winning games, then they're like, Hey, Let's try to – they might flex this. They were thinking about flexing their schedule a little bit, but nothing really happened, right? So <clears throat> everybody was questioning, oh, this is C.J. Stroud on the big stage. What's he going to do? What's the pressure going to be like? Yo, this dude played at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Like, y'all, y'all play D1 ball. Y'all know, that's 100K every week, bro. That's millions of people watching every week. He played in the college football playoff against Georgia and balled out against Georgia. Like – no, it, nothing's too big for this young man. And he went out there in the first play from scrimmage said, play action, drop back. I'm going to drop this 75 yard dime, dime. Um, and it was amazing. Cause he, he actually, the play was designed for him to hit like the over route or something like that. But he said, he, he just read the coverage. Like they weren't in the coverage that thought they thought they would be in and the safety came down. And he said, the city came nice. said, okay, cool. I'm hitting Nico over top. Like, for a rookie to be able to understand what the defense is doing and then put it out there like, okay, oh, they're going to come down? I'm going to go over top. Like, to understand what to do as a rookie, read coverage in the big game. That was a playoff game. That, that, that's what that play, the game was. It, was. it was simply a playoff game. And to perform the way he performed, um, it, was, it was incredible. I think he put the world on notice like, hey, I, I am who I am. I'm him. I'm him, basically, right? If you're in Houston, you you've seen it. Um, if you're if you were in Houston, you would say, "Well, watch Houston." You'd be like, "Okay, he's a top ten quarterback, nobody about it. Top eight, probably in my book." Um, but this dude is this dude is something special, man. And I'm telling you, if the Browns let him hang around, it's gonna be a fight. We've been talking about the offense a little bit, but one thing the Texans does they do have is talent on the is talent on the defensive side of the ball as well. 
you could talk about the secondary with Stingley and Stevenson Petrie, but then also the D-line with another uh, rookie, uh, Will Anderson. Kind of just talk about what they have meant to C.J. Stroud and being able to create turnovers to get him the ball back. But also if C.J. is, you know, not having that great of a start or not having that great of a game, how you can put the defense on the field at the end of the game to go out there and win it for you. Well, this is interesting because uh, you guys know they drafted CJ two and they drafted Will Anderson three. Mm -hmm. I don't know since we've been living, if we've seen a team trade back up and go two, three back to back. Right. And then hit on your second and third pick. Will Anderson got seven and a half sacks this year. Like, well, Anderson is putting on a show um, and he's learning as he's going along. One thing about D'Amico Ryan's the head coach for the Texans, he knows how to develop talent on defense. If you look at Joey Bosa, look at all the D1, I'm sorry, uh, round one pass rushers they had in San Fran. He knows how to use them, develop them and put them in situations to succeed. So for him, um, Will Anderson is learning the game and learning at a fast rate. But their mindset, CJ and Will, their mindset is the exact same. Like they are uh, very faith based individuals. They are extremely hard workers. If you hear anything about CJ and Will, they're one of the first people in the room, in the building, excuse me, and one of the last people to leave and the hardest working in between. And that's special. So when you have a guy like that, that's kind of as a rookie on the defensive side of the ball, pushing the veterans, and the veterans are expecting him and they see talent, and he's so willing to. Uh, get information from Jerry Hughes, who's been in the league 12, 13 years. Get information from Sheldon Rankins, who's been in the league seven, eight, nine years. To get information from all these vets, you're going to see him continue to develop and continue to, to thrive. Stingley is special. And I, I, I'll go on record. I, I'll say this. I'm like, Stingley, if he can't be healthy, he's going to be just the average average corner, right? Because you guys, both of y'all play DB. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a mental game. Like, to be DB, you got to be one of the most confident dudes on the field, like ever. <laughs> like you're playing backwards against a guy that's running forward and know exactly what he wants to do, and you have to guess. You may have a, a, a estimate of what he wants to do, right? But you have to figure out and react to what he's doing. On top of staying in your coverage, um, if you're oh, it's just amazing. I got so much respect for DBs, much respect to y'all. But Stingley literally can be the best corner in the league. That's how talented he is. And I think we saw it this year. Last year, injuries, rookie, didn't look confident, trying to figure it out. This year, D'Amico comes in. He's buying into what he's saying. Jonathan Joseph, former Houston Texan, former Cincinnati Bengal, former first-round pick, he comes in in the uh, offseason and is like has like an internship with him. And I think his tutelage and the way he thinks of the game, he kind of poured it into Stingley. And Stingley at one point at one stretch had like four interceptions in five games, but it mm -hmm. wasn't just your normal four interceptions. <laughs> it was like baiting the baiting the baiting the quarterback to throw the post. I'm gonna hang off a little bit. I'm gonna stay in my coverage, hang off and cover three a little bit, hang off, hang off, get him to think he's open, and then react and make this play. And you know, as a DB, when you cut in front of a receiver, you better pick it off. Like, <laughs> you, boy, boy, you, you better you better pick it off or get a hand on it because or do hey, something. Right? Yeah, it's, it's highlight. Man, this this dude is just—you can see his confidence is just picked up every single week. And um, you know, Sauce gets all the conversation right now. He's in New York. He's playing well, especially his rookie year. He's 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 deserved.
deserving of it. But Stingley is special, man. And I'm interested to see this week if the adjustment will be if I'm going to follow Amari Cooper, if I'm Stingley, right? Will, will Stingley follow Cooper? Um, will Stingley, um, you know, go side to side? Will he go on a slide? I'm just interested to see what they do. They haven't followed anybody all year. But when somebody has almost 300 yards on you, you got to make mm. some investments. You got <laughs> you got you got to figure something out. But um, they have a young Petrie is having a, a decent year. Kind of struggled early on. He was he might have been benched once or twice throughout the year. It's been a kind of a up and down year for him. But the linebackers, Christian Harris, this dude, number 48. I promise you, you will see him everywhere on the field. He is lights out right now. D'Amico, Ryan, I keep bringing him up because. He understands defense. He was once a middle linebacker and he poured into Christian Harris, who's from Alabama, who also played uh, and D'Amico also played at Alabama. So they got like a connection thing. Right. But he just understands linebackers and Christian is flying from sideline to sideline. He's going to be everywhere in the running game and the pass game. He is just a special, special, hard hitting dude, man. He just causes chaos. Um, so I think the defense has a chance. The defense got a big task in front of them, though, if I'm going to be honest. Um, the Browns have been battling some, I think the middle of the year, they had some offensive line struggles where it was like a fourth, fourth, uh, fourth string center. And then this guy was hurt and the guard was hurt and the tackle was hurt. Well, those guys are starting to come back. And one thing you know about the Browns and, and Stefanski and they, they're going to try to run that football. That, that, that's just, that's just what it is. So you got, uh, a big task in stopping that. And Flacco is somebody, if I'm honest, and I'm going, I'm rambling now, but Flacco is somebody that he's been there, done that. So it's going to be a tough task for that defense. Now, you talked about him a little bit, and I want to touch on it a little bit further because he's like the one of the few first coaches that I vividly remember as a player, and now he's a head coach in D'Amico Ryans. I, I do remember his days as a Texan. I do like I vividly remember that as a kid, right? So can you just – we talk about C.J. Stroud, and obviously he's helped spearhead the turnaround and, and give uh, put the Texans back in that national re- uh, relevance. Mm-hmm. But – just speak on this, the culture shift and just how D'Amico Ryans has helped spearhead and change things down around there in Texas. Because quite frankly, if he's not coach of the year, he's definitely a finalist for the things that he's helped the Texans do this year. Because, I mean, this was a team who, I mean, I know people, I mean, I know the, the Panthers are a laughing stock now, but going into the year, the Texans weren't too far uh, behind them. Let me say this. His... The term players coach is always used. I feel like it's used a lot, and I feel like it's kind of overused. Everybody's not a player's coach, right? And what's that even mean? What's that even mean? The player likes him. Um, I feel like D'Amico understands the position that those players are in, so he knows how to reach them. The number one quality you need from a head coach in the NFL, can he lead men? That's the number one quality you need. It's not about X's and O's. It's not about um, how smart you are when it comes to offensive schemes or defensive schemes. It's can you lead men? Can you get this 31, 32-year-old man to buy into what you're saying? Who got a family, who got mortgage, probably making more money than you. Can you get him to buy in and give it all for the team? If you look at D'Amico and how he carries himself and how excited he gets on the sideline. And his mindset, um, his player mindset, 
and how he can reach the guys and cares for the guys and love for the guys. And you guys know playing ball, like if somebody truly, if your coach loves you and truly cares about you, you're going to run through a big wall for You're going to run through a big wall for You might not always agree with what he's saying. You might not always uh, understand, but you're going to run through a big wall for You have a trust, like, you know what? He got, his, he got my best interest in mind. So whatever my role is, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And he's done that this year with veterans, with with rookie guys. Um, they all have a true a true understanding of what he wants out of them, um, and he gets the best out of them week in and week out. Man, he's he's definitely a candidate for Coach of the Year, um, as well as Stefanski. I think Stefanski is up there as well. Um, so, but D'Amico's definitely worthy. And another thing I, I do want to touch on a, a tad is we. Talk about it a little bit earlier on, like when things began to shift down there in Houston. When do you think? Because I know it was probably before that week eighteen game against the Colts. When did this stop becoming a feel good story? And like, when did this stop becoming like, oh my gosh, like guys, like we're playing with house money and like, no, we're like we're actually a good ball club. Like we deserve to be here. This isn't like some fluke. The reason why we're having success on the field. You know what? I think. Uh, ooh, that's tough. That's tough because they had Baltimore week one, right? And you've seen some things in CJ against Baltimore week one. We didn't, nobody expected Houston to beat Baltimore. Um, and they didn't. But you've seen some things week one, like, okay, he, he ain't played that bad. Then week two happens. I think uh, Indianapolis comes to town in Houston. And it's Anthony Richardson versus CJ Stroud, right? And CJ shows some things and the defense shows some things, but he ended up losing the game. Then you go to Jacksonville. And you put a whooping on Jacksonville. That was Tank Dale, like had a hundred some yards and the defense and the kickoff return. And Will Anderson blocked the kick. It was an excitement, right? So like one and two. And then as time goes on, I would say about mid-season, you're like, wait a second. They would win one, they would lose one, they would win two. They would, it's like, yo, you're in every single game. This is no longer a, a fluke. You really have a shot. Um, but I think it took a while for all of us to understand how good the young Texans were because there was games like they probably should have beat Atlanta. CJ drives them down the field with less than two minutes to go. They go up and then Atlanta comes back and scores. Right. And there's if you lose the Carolina, Carolina and Atlanta in the thing, the three week period, you're like, ah, you probably should have beat them. Maybe we're not as good as we thought we were. And then they go in and they, you know beat a good team. And then they go in and they win just two, three games in a row. They are, I think, around midseason, we're like, okay, this is going to be a good year. But towards the end of the year, it's like, yo, we got a shot to make the playoffs um, because of how things are going on. So it took a while because I think for, I'll speak for myself, uh, when you're a, a, a franchise that's kind of starting over, and you got a new head coach, you got a rookie offensive coordinator, you drafted a bunch of guys, you kind of think, all right, <clears throat> you want to progress. So this year, last year they won three games. This year, that's when in between, I think I said seven and uh, between six and eight games. And then you kind of move on from there. They were like, hey, we're ahead of schedule. Um, and the Texans fans really started to believe towards the end of the season when things got got real in that playoff, that playoff picture. When that playoff picture started getting in, uh, getting in, uh, in the conversation, I think things got real for the Houston fans. Earlier, we did, we did touch on Amari Cooper. You touched on Derek Stingley, mate. And maybe having to travel, um, trying to limit Amari Cooper after having a career day last time against the Texans. Touch on just something that you see from the Browns, something that you saw from Flacco, something that you saw from 
uh, Amari Cooper, but also just that defense that's just been flying around. And, you know, if it wasn't for the Ravens, they'd be, you know, at the top of the top of the list inside uh, in the league. Well, I'll be honest. I think a lot of credit needs to go to Stefanski. I think he needs to get tons and tons of credit to have four quarterbacks this season. You go from Deshaun to PJ Walker to whoever was in between them two. <laughs> My boy DTR. There it is. You got DTR <laughs> who, who won, who won two, one or two games, right? Yeah. And then you bring in uh, another veteran who won a couple games. Um, and then you, at the end of the year, I guess I guess Andrew Barry needs some love too to go out there and get a guy mm-hmm. like Flacco. It's like, hey, we need a guy that's a veteran, um, that can go, that understands what we're trying to do, that can win in November and December and January. They always say good teams win in December, right? That's when all the big games matter on going to the playoffs. But Flacco is somebody that was literally a perfect fit. Um, he played in the AFC North. He played in Baltimore. He played in the cold. Um, he played in humongous games. He's a Super Bowl champion. Um, he is somebody that is one of the better quarterbacks that's played in this league. He's He was a productive quarterback in the NFL for a very long time. And he played at a high level um, with a great defense. So he understands what I need to do and what I don't need to do. I think he understands how much he can uh, – how to manage a football game and not lose a football ball game right and i think that's what you want from a veteran guy who's just on the couch <laughs> what five six seven eight weeks ago um but what he's been able to do is special it is special it just shows and it just shows his veteran leadership it shows um his responsibility and just him being a professional right i think the defense is the number one thing for the browns right now um, best defense in the league by far you got two edge rushers that are unbelievable. You got guys in the secondary that you can play man coverage and just blitz or get pressure on the quarterback. And when you have that, that frees you up on offense to, hey, if we don't turn the ball over, if we just score, hey, give me 17 points. Give me, give me 14 points. Give me 21 points. We can win this game. That gives confidence to Stefanski and, and, and Joe, like, hey, this is all we got to do. So I think the Browns are in prime position, if I'm honest, to make a Super Bowl run, even without Nick Chubb, even without Deshaun Watson, simply because um, they understand what type of team they are. Their identity didn't change. Even they were banged up. Their identity didn't change. They still want to run the football. Were they as effective without Chubb and without the offensive line, the starting offensive line? They weren't. But you still seen them respect the run game and still and still run the ball. Now with the offensive line getting more healthy, um, between Ford and Hunt, I think in this in January you're going to get, especially when you get outside. Say that they win this game, you gotta go somewhere cold. It's going to be outside games from now on, whether it's Buffalo, Kansas City, or the Ravens. It's going to be cold games. You got to be able to run the football. Um, I think it's going to be key for Flacco to not turn the ball over. I believe he has 13 touchdowns and eight interceptions right now, and. Um, there's times where he's forcing the ball just a little bit or it's kind of a, a freaky thing happens. He has to protect the football. If he doesn't turn it over, Brown's got a shot in every single game simply because of that defense. When you can put Denzel Ward and Newsom on anybody and say, hey, y'all man up. And you got you got Dale Pitt coming back this week. I believe he's off IR. Mm-hmm. You can pressure with 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 the with the edge rushers and Garrett and, and Smith. It's it's scary. 
It, it really, really is. And it's a handful for any offense to, to prepare for that. Because number one, like, I guarantee you, so the, the game's on Saturday this week, right? I guarantee you on Monday, a team meeting, they had Miles Garrett pop up on the screen for the Texans. This is the guy we have to contain. We got to know where he is at all times, at all times. I remember playing against J.J. Watt when I was in Jacksonville, and we had a game plan for wherever he lined up. That's how we blocked. Wherever he was, that's where blocking to. He was on the left. We're going to change the play. We're going to block to the left. He was on the right. We're going to move a, move a running back over, move a tight end down, motion a receiver, and we're going to block J.J. Watt. So when you have a guy like Miles that's going to cause that much attention, it opens the 10 other guys up on off, on defense. It makes those guys' job easier. Now Smith is one-on-one. Now you got these guys one-on-one, and, that, and that's what you want, right? Um, on top of Miles is just a, a special specimen. who probably could win defensive player of the year. Um, so you can double, triple, let alone even one-on-one. He's still going to make plays regardless because he is who he is. Um, but that defense is going to carry them, man. And, and Flacco is just, a, is just a perfect fit. He understands, okay, who are my playmakers? David and Joku. Oh, oh, my gosh. Fantasy football. I don't know if y'all play fantasy. He was <laughs> I had in Joku Laporta. I'm like, are oh, you good? <laughs> you were set. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My dog's eating. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way he's he's a top five tight end right now. So don't just worry about Amari. Yeah, focus on Amari if you want to. We got a mismatch in Joku. Like, who's going to check him? Who's going to stop him? He's six whatever, long arms. He ain't burnt his face off and still catching touchdowns. Like, this dude is this dude is having a miraculous year. Um, and then you got some young receivers as well that can make plays. But Flacco knows, okay, we're going to run the ball. I'm a fine Joku. I'm a fine Cooper. Don't turn the ball over. Let my defense do what they do. If we put up 17, 21 points, we're good. Like we're good because the defense is probably gonna get a turnover. They're gonna get a sack. We got short field. Now we get short field. It's our job to get points. That's all. Convert and make sure if we get a turnover, let's convert it to points. So I think the Browns are in really, really good shape um, this, this playoff season. I just, I just wish our kicker wasn't injured. But oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, How we lose man. two specialists in the same game? Like two in the same game? Oh Crazy, my goodness, man! Amazing. Matter of fact, it was the it was the Texas game. It was the Texas the game. They kicked the kick like, return. The kick return. I'm like, why are they going for two? And, and, and you know what's crazy? And, and and y'all both noticed that kicker was doing that fake hustle stuff where he acted like he was chasing somebody. Bro, you know you want catching him. You know you want to so, – like, we all done did that fake hustle, no loafing. Like, you don't want to loaf on the football. Well, bro, we need you, bro. Them hamstrings is important, my boy. You don't need to chase nobody down. No, you <laughs> like, <wrong>. nah. <laughs> For real. Uh, a question I do have, though, and sticking on the Browns, and then you talk about the keys for their success, and I want to ask about the um, Texans, their keys to success. But it's funny how – you played offense and you know what it's like scout team week when you play against those type of defenses. Right. And you know, the, a team like the Browns, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a ton of man coverage and a lot of pressure up front, but there's no scout team that can replicate corners that can run four, three and miles Garrett and stuff of that nature. Now, granted for the Texans, they've seen them, this team before, so they're not going to be a shell shock But from a Texans perspective. What are their keys to success? And if they want to, I don't want to call it an upset because they're at home and they're a very respectable team. But if they want to pull out a win 
um, in, in the C.J. Stroud era, what must go down? They got to figure out how to beat man coverage. Um, you got to get the ball out quickly. <clears throat> there's, there's no there's no nothing around it. Like, you have to uh, find ways with the receivers you have, with Robert Woods, with Nico Collins, with Noah Brown, Dalton Schultz. You get, Those guys have to beat man coverage. Like, if you don't beat man coverage, if you can't get open against Denzel Ward, which is a tough task, if you can't beat man coverage, you're going to be in for a long day, buddy, because they're going to bring pressure. That's what they do. They're going to bring pressure. So to on the offensive side, they got to get the ball out quickly. Bobby Sloak, the offensive coordinator, needs meshing routes, needs man beaters, needs pick plays. Um, you have to find ways to get that ball out fast because you got about two and a half, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> with miles coming. Um you got to get that ball out quick, man. So you got to be creative with your motions, your screen game. Um, your screen game can't just be to the running back. You got to get screen game outside to your receivers. You got to get in bunch formations. And when you get in bunch, a lot of the time, you guys know the DBs will back off a little bit and they'll communicate, hey, in and out here or whatever the case may be. You can get them to back off some. So go and come squeeze formations. So for the for the casual fan, I mean squeeze is maybe you know, it's two by two receivers. Uh, out wide, just squeeze them in. And when you squeeze them in, the DBs normally back off a little bit. So when they back off, that gives quarterback more space to throw for the quick outs, for the slants, for the hitches, for the stick routes. And those five-yard gains, those four-yard gains, those add up. And then you can take your shots down the field. Then you can go double moves down the field. Um, So I think that's going to be key, man, getting the ball out quick and beating man coverage. On the defensive side of the ball, you got to stop the explosives. Like Amari Cooper, David Njoku, they went, especially Coop, he went nuts last game, uh, last time they, they, these two teams met. And this interesting, there was a stat uh, towards the end of the year for the Texans defense on the left side, the deep left side of the field, they've been getting torched. It's like a 60% on deep balls they've been completing on the left side of the defense for the Texans. And that's basically opposite field of, of Stingley. Um, so they got to find a way to – really uh, communicate well on defense. They got to find a way to stop the explosive plays. And I know I don't have, have an answer for that um, besides Stingley, maybe following them and trying to get pressure on Flacco, get them trying to turn a turnover, but it's going to be hard to surprise a veteran or trick a veteran, right? Flacco sing it all. He, he, he done done it all. Wasn't that a song? Done done it all. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he's seen it all. So like he's going to be able to adjust and and make plays, um, but they got to get pressure and get some turnovers. If you get turnovers and can stay close in the game, you give CJ a chance. You're all right. But um, and then I'm, I'm gonna say this too. One more key for the Texans: they gotta have a big play on special teams. Like they gotta have a big play because I think you need all three phases to play at a high level to beat the Browns. I, I truly, truly do. So your offense got to beat man coverage and score points. The defense got to force a turnover, but you need a big return or a big block. Or or something um, that can give you some momentum, because the Browns are a solid, solid, solid team. And now, even flip side um, for the Browns, I feel like it's it's pretty much similar. Like the things that you said, the Texans got to do, pretty much the things the Browns got to do in order for them to win. You know, obviously, be able to find Cooper uh, yeah. in, in multiple different ways. He's been killing the in, intermediate game, and then obviously against the Texans last time had a bunch of explosive plays. Um, but what are some other things you think the Browns got to do uh, to pull out the win in this one as well? 
Flacco can't turn the ball over. Eight interceptions in the short time he was playing. Don't don't give them guys a chance, man. Don't don't give CJ the ball back. Uh, don't give that kid no momentum. He has he has no boundaries. He don't care. He don't care. He a rookie. He he really think he's him. Like he really is that confident in himself, and it's it's, it's amazing to see. Um, I think they need to run the football. I, I truly, truly do. Find some rhythm in the running game, and that's been kind of iffy because of the injuries we talked about, right? But you have to be able to run the football, and it's not even about this week. It's about this: if you're going to make a playoff run, and you're going to go to Kansas City, or you're going to go to Buffalo, or you're going to go to to the Ravens, you have to establish the running game. Personally, it's my Browns fan coming out. I love. I, it's weird voting for Flacco. Cause it's like he was on the other team for so long, but now it's like, I don't want him to have to feel like he has to win the game. I want a balanced offense, right? I trust the defense more than any, anything else. Like they, they're going to, they're going to do their part, but you have to have a balanced offense. If Flacco's throwing the ball 50 times, the Browns in trouble. If he's throwing it 25, 28 times, you're, you're in good shape. Cause he can make, he can make any throw. But you don't want him to have to win the game, if that makes sense. So I think balance on the offense, continue what you're doing on defense. Um, and then when you get those turnovers to put the points up, put the points on the board every single drive. Unrealistic, but as many points as you can to get that defense a cushion, you, you, you're sitting pretty. And, and gotcha. don't lose any special teamers and, and <laughs> support. And we, do, and we don't give up any special team plays. That's the big thing. Yeah. Obviously, okay, we gave up that. We gave up that kick up that kickoff return last time. That obviously, because uh, I think Flacco came out at the game at one point, and then yeah. Texas started to get rolling a little bit. Then they had to bring him back in. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it was it was that was a wild game for sure because we was going for two, we were going for it on fourth down, and then we weren't getting it. And then y'all had an opportunity to put points on the board too. You know what's going to be interesting? Uh, the coaching the coaching matchup here. So to see a, a defensive match. Head coach and D'Amico Ryan versus an offensive minded head coach and Kevin Stefanski. Like, I'm interested to see that battle, that mind game they try to play on each other, um, kind of the tendencies that they normally have. Are they going to switch them up? So, it's going to be interesting to see because um, they played each other once already. Mm-hmm. They were successful. The Browns were successful. So, it's going to be interesting to see like the adjustments that they make on the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball to try to stop each other or to try to continue to have success against the, against the Texans. I think that's going to be a huge matchup. Uh, one thing, and I and I hate that I didn't touch on this earlier, but going back to the Shroud piece a little bit, obviously is a fantastic player on the field, and for my money is going to be in these conversations as one of the best for a very, very long time, just based off the, the sample size we sample size we've seen this year. But I think there's something different to him and how he kind of handles himself in front of a mic in front of fans in front of just anyone who can see him visibly right and i think that's what kind of separates him as a rook like his play on the field is one thing but i mean croft can attest to that just some of the answers that he gives in post game some of the stuff that the pat McAfee show how he handled himself last week i don't know if you i don't know if you guys would trust a 21 year old on a pat McAfee show don't know like how many you would trust in front of pat but clearly the texans trusted him enough to do that just his maturity, I think, is something that we, quite frankly, haven't seen out of someone who's 21 to 22. How important has that been for the Texan success this year? I think that's what that's what separates him. I think that's what won him the job. I think that's what the veterans see in him is his maturity. 
the way he handles press conferences. Um, and it's genuine. Like, it's, it, he's himself, right? A lot of quarterbacks, and, and I love the change in quarterback that you see. I mean, I'm, I'll be honest with you. It's probably because it's more young black quarterbacks coming out. They're themselves. They have hoodies on. They have hats on. They got beanies. They got long hair that come down. They got, you know, the locks or whatever. They can be themselves, and they're comfortable being themselves. So CJ never changed anything for him. He was that way at Ohio State from what I did my research and talked to other people there. Like, that's just how he is. So for him, being so confident in himself and kind of being mature over his years probably goes back to um, his, his upbringing, if I'm honest, him losing his dad early to, to prison, um, and then his mom holding the fort down and, and making helping, doing her best and surrounding him with men that can help him become a young man. Um, and heard holding it down as well. Um, but the stuff he's been through, the stuff he's seen, and then his time at Ohio State has just made him a very mature young quarterback. And um, it's exciting to see a young black man in that realm holding it down like that. It really, really is. Um, I'm just going to be honest with you. It just, it's, a, it's a breath of fresh air to see somebody go up there and talk eloquently and 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 communicates well, and, and he can still be himself, still have all the swag he got, um, and then go out there and produce, and then go out there and say, hey, you know, that game, you know, he's strong in his faith. Um, it's just a lot that's impressive about him that I think won everybody over probably in the draft process. Um, and when he got on the team, it was just like, I mean, when you have your starting left tackle or all pro or pro bowler, before training camp happens, puts out a tweet in the Instagram like, hey, number seven is my quarterback. They haven't played one single game yet. Not preseason, not anything. This is the the last practice before they get like a month break before they go to training camp. He's like, hey, this is my quarterback. You win guys over in a month, there's something different about you. All right, last thing. I do gotta ask. You've been you've been working on your you've been working on your dance, Soak City, the 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 left, right. Let me see you do. <laughs> I hope. I hope. I, I hope. I, <laughs> I, hope I, I hope I don't see it too much. But that I mean, whenever whenever he pull that out, I'll be like, okay, all right, all right. Nah, it's they, smooth, they, man. It's they, smooth. They, nah, they, they definitely added some swag down there. Now, I mean, I hope I don't see it too much. But nah, that's, it's definitely been fun to watch. You know, CJ and to watch the Texans, but also obviously watch the Browns have some success this year um, as well. So. Uh, I feel like when they when they had the game, I, I hit up Carl uh, a couple of days ago, and I was like, "Yeah, we get, we got to reconnect with Caesar to get his thoughts on it." So, uh, appreciate you. Um, game is Saturday, uh, 4:30 Eastern, 3:30 CT for y'all um, on NBC. So, Browns versus Texans, wild card matchup. I mean, Cleveland fans, we've been waiting on this. I know we had a playoff game a few years ago with Baker, but you know, I, I don't really count this. This the one because we got some hope, and I know the Texans obviously are. Uh, happy to be back into the playoffs so appreciate you coming on again i know you got a long day thanks for stopping in um sean crawford your host of varsity house podcast carl jones co-host and caesar source and thank you for coming on appreciate y'all